Welcome to Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. This podcast will offer weekly episodes equipping passive and active investors alike with the tools, knowledge, and confidence to build wealth through one of the most powerful wealth creation vehicles out there, apartments. Let's get into today's episode. Oh my gosh. Welcome back to Money Mondays, everybody. Welcome what back, time everybody. Is it? It's 3.30-ish Central. Oh, We're a few minutes we late. Did it, Apologize. Did ben needed to get some makeup on before we went uh, live. Where's my powder so at? Where's my powder? Got the powder, but he's good to go, so we're ready to rock go. and roll. Right but there, welcome. Right what and are we, we talking know, about, man? Talking about a topic that I think is near and dear to both of our hearts, especially me, which is about what it takes to find deals in the market today, That's right? True. And That's it's true. a mix of you know broker relationships. I know we've done sessions on that one previously, right, where we talked about how do you talk to brokers. But it's really tying the two together to actually get something done, yeah. right? So, no, I think it's important, folks. Right, especially in today's market. I mean, was it always important? Yes, of course. It's always right? important, Be- you know. But today, it's all about relationships, right? You know, and if you don't have the right ones, you're not even going to get in front of some of the deals that we're looking at, right? Yeah. So. You're going to have to hear from the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Ferris well, today. And I'm true story, literally, and it's funny, one broker, I'm not going to mention any names. No, we're not going to mention the, the market a good either. friend <laughs> in a certain market, and we've done, you know, so we hadn't really caught up with him, I'd say, in a couple of, it's been it's been a month and a half. I think I saw him a couple, like, two weeks ago. You saw him in, in, yeah, in yeah. MHC, right? Well, mm-hmm. just today, coincidentally, came called me. I, I couldn't answer. He sent me an email, and I called him back. Brought us a deal. He basically said, seller decided they wanted to sell. The seller was waffling. He said kind of initially, and they made see the seller was kind of deciding, does he want to? He's going to do the full market. But he told them today, hey, uh, I want to sell. Give me an offer by Friday. We, we know, you know, and go to Boom. a very small select group is what he said. So came to us, and we're going to look at that very closely, right? It's very different than the yeah. deal that gets 10,000 people signing a CA and, you know, 300 property tours or whatever nonsense. So Dozens and dozens um, of offers. But really, I think that leads to the, the point that I want to make, which is the most important point, I think, to find a good deal is, use your broker relationships, right? Really get to know those guys, win their trust, win their confidence, right? And really do what you say you're gonna do because that will lead to them thinking of you. Right. Whenever they What's say, it, what do we call it? What do we call it? Be a good buyer. Be a good buyer. Be yeah. a good seller. It really goes both ways, right? Even you don't want to be a pain in the butt, right? You know, because I mean, I, I, we've and we've talked about this on the show before, right? It's a numbers and it's a relationship business. And we'll talk right? about the numbers here shortly. And how you many know. numbers are we talking about? But again, it's competitive. There's more people coming into the space each week. There's a ton of money in the market, so you have to be able to leverage those relationships. And again, folks, don't put them up on a pedestal. The brokers, you know, the guys and Gals, they're they're just, normal guys. They're we were literally gals, Ben and right? I were you yesterday know. texting with a broker, and we were just we were we we're talking about how much, how how well do we know this broker, and how much do we joke or not joke, yeah. right? If you want to get to know these people, make them friends, right? How do you break that professional gap into a friendship gap? Yeah, you're gonna right? have to break it's that a, bond down, right? You know, because at the end of the day, right? Don't don't look at it as some transactional thing, like where you're calling them up. What's the whisper? And then don't ask yeah, any questions. Many don't guys. try to build any rapport. Because everybody's scared, nervous, thinking that the broker is going to somehow see them as some kind of a newbie. And I get that. Everybody was there at some point. But when you start kind of shifting that mindset into, mm-hmm. hey, these folks are just regular people just like us. They've got kids. They've got, they go on trips. They've got they bikes golf, and hobbies. And they and have all things this stuff. that make them mad and yeah. other sellers or buyers that make them, you know, things happen. So yeah. get to know that and relate with them, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so it, some people better relate to differently uh, than I will and vice versa. So, you know, leverage your strengths. What's their background? Where did they graduate school from, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that all those things. Actually, we had that the other day. We had dinner on a Thursday, last Thursday yeah. with the brokers and the one that from tech was 
relating to Ben, and you know, I was making fun of the Aggie one next to me, right? So it's, you know, it's UT, and you know, but it, you actually use that as a way to relate, you right? Absolutely you absolutely know, do, so. right? I mean, anything, it's, it's like anything you do right in life, right? You want to try to quickly break down that barrier and build rapport with people. It's sales 101, and so don't think for a second, folks, that if you're getting into this business that you're going to be able to do it all behind your laptop. This is a relationship game. You have to build rapport, real rapport, not some fake, you know, I'm trying to get something from yeah. them and, you know, I don't want anybody to screw me over, right? If you start building up a real relationship and, and a friendship with these people, things are going to go a lot Yeah, and, and, and Ben said real, and I want to add one thing. It's just also figure out how do you add value to them, right? Like, yes, oh, like being this. an easy buyer is a good one, but right. I like to call them and just give them more of what's going on, right? What am I seeing? Like, I was, again, this broker right now, just talking to him, I'm like, what's going on, man? I haven't heard from you. Told him, we've been on fire with all these other markets, but in your market, it's been really low volume. He said, yeah, that's what I've been hearing from buyers, right? I told him the only deal we're looking at, you know, share data, share information with them, yep. right? Help them be a better broker and they'll in turn appreciate that, right? And again, you will be top of mind. So Absolutely. don't be Absolutely. the transactional guy. All right, so moving along, we got some questions in ahead of the show here, so we're gonna kinda go through these. I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle yeah, them off to and this. And really guy, quick, right? yeah, he'll rattle them off to me. We talked about um, we talked about relationships to help bring the floodgates. Yes. But then it's really and I think these questions are geared more yep. towards what happens after that, right? So now Absolutely. I got all this stuff in you know coming my way. So keep that in mind, yeah. right? You know, I mean, it's still a relationship game. So one of the questions is, what is the multifamily market looking like today in terms of deal flow and competition? I think you just talked about yeah, it. It's, some markets are on fire. There's a lot of transactions, and then some. Right? Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because you know we we we're in multiple markets, right? Houston is a market that was flat previously. Now it's yep. just on. So you're seeing everybody and anybody trade every deal trade. I could drive down the highway and point to 30 deals. Yesterday we were <laughs> we were driving down the highway, coincidentally, with a partner. We're just talking about this deal, that deal. We're best and final. There's a lot going on, right? Atlanta was there two years ago. Yeah. So all that has traded, and you know now it's sizzling off a little bit, right? They can only trade so quickly, um, and it's just different per market. But really, the overall pulse though is. There's a lot of demand for multifamily, right? So yep. there's region-specific things, but as a whole, there's still a tremendous demand, even with interest rates going up. I think both Ben and I's philosophy is, you know, I don't think pricing is going to shift significantly, right? No. I think it's going to stay what it is. It, you know, multifamily is an attractive asset class. You're getting inflation, which only makes it a safer investment for people to continue to stay in real estate. So it's very hyper-competitive, and that's where you, as a buyer, you have to start to you know, figure out ways to juice the deal and or lower your return expectations. Or differentiate yourself amongst the pack, yeah. right? And trust me, if we're head to head with somebody and the broker knows, likes, and trusts us versus somebody that just came off the street, who do you think they're gonna encourage the yeah. buyer, or excuse me, the seller to do business with, right? So always keep that in mind. So I would, I would mimic what he was saying, right? It's a competitive market. There's a lot of, obviously, people coming in because it is a safe asset. But I say, you know, again, inflation, we talked about this last week, yeah. right? You know, rents are going up. Yes, expenses are going up too, but rents are going up tremendously in some markets, right? And that's going to obviously keep values up. Interest rates, TBD on how that all kind of plays into the equation. But I think with the amount of money that's coming into the to the business and the amount of demand coming in to buy multifamily, I think it's going to keep values high, yeah. right? So next question. How has your underwriting criteria changed? Yeah, so this last, is, I'd say, let's call it last six months. Yeah, so this one's an interesting one because ultimately, you know, I think there's two parts. There's how aggressive do you get on the deal, right? And then the other side of it is what return profile do you need to get to, right? And so 
you know, I think on the, let's talk about the return profile side, yeah. right? We, what we bought three years ago and presented to investors three years ago is very different than what we're presenting today, right? What was a 16 IRR that we'd shoot for is now a 13 IRR, yeah. right? And maybe we're shooting for 18 even before that. I don't no, remember. I think it was, yeah, 17 to 20. Right? The IRR, yeah. right, not average. Yeah. yeah, and so the market has changed. Return profiles have changed. And therefore, as a buyer, to, in order to actually get a deal done, you got to, change with it, right? And again, yep. it's all about your investors. I like to say I can buy any deal in the world if my investors are okay with that return profile. Yes. Right? If my investors just want a 2% return, they don't care about anything else, I can go buy any deal on the market today. And there are buyers, folks, that, that yep. actually don't mind that, right? They're, they look at it as a preservation of wealth. There's a lot of foreign investors yep. that also don't mind that as well. So you have to take that into consideration. And right? Ultimately, we're cash flow buyers yep. in appreciating markets. That's maybe the way I would say it. we are. So we need to hand, you know, enough yield to make it attractive. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, that I would add in terms of the underwriting now is about how aggressive do you get, right? Yeah. For the longest time, it was all about 3% rent escalators, right? But, I mean, we had, you know, 10% growth last year, right? We had 10% you know, growth year to date. So it's been, you know, something to factor in. And we look at deals differently now. I'd say two things. A, ultimately, in case the market does shift, we're looking at bigger, newer, better deals and better locations, right? Yep. And going into well-capitalized, right? So yep. we can ride it out, and it's not a grind of a deal where you know, you're in this weird flux, right? That's as a business as a whole. But the other piece of it I would say is looking at deals from the lens of you know, lease tradeouts is really, to me, one of my favorite things to see right now, right? If the previous owner, or the current owner, not previous, the current owner has done 30 leases at $400 more in rent, ah, statistically, I could probably do the next 30, the next 100 at that, right? Or somewhere close yeah. to it. And so, you know, this is where you get away from modeling deals at a T12 and start to look at T3, right? Yeah. And so I think right now, in order Which to get is, a deal yeah, done, and most it, lenders are looking at T3s. Lenders are looking they'll at look it that at, way. They'll look at, they'll look at income folks on a T1 or a T3 basis, and then they look at expenses on a T12. So you really do, he brought up a good point, right? You have to be looking at what's the last 60, 90 days worth of leases. You're actually gonna be amazed, you know, at how much rent growth has just happened in the last 90 days alone, yeah. right? So just keep that in mind, right? When you're when you're looking to, to underwrite deals, that's what your competition's doing, right? They're not taking what happened in 2021. That's too far away, right? You know, what is happening now and what is coming up, right? What are some of the leases that they've already booked that maybe people haven't moved in, yeah. that's what they're underwriting to. Absolutely. Right? You know, and I'd also say, you know, again, reversion cap rates, in, in, in all cases, you need to say, if you're buying at a four, you should, you know, try to obviously increase it to 15, 20 basis points, depending on how long, uh, you know, per year, per year, depending on how long you're gonna hold the asset for. So you still need to do that, but now, right, your starting point is a lot lower, Yeah. right? So you're no longer starting at a five or a six cap that you're buying it at, or maybe a seven back in the day. Right, where then you're now you're gonna sell it at an eight. It doesn't yeah, work like that, I had that, a good right? broker friend tell me, what is it, two months ago, he was like, Austin is now in the twos, two caps. Yeah. No, no. So, you know, market specific, but again, if I'm buying a deal in Austin, I'm not gonna start at a four and say I gotta sell it at a five, like that's just not realistic for Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you play You have that. to normalize it for the market yeah. itself, right? So, all right, moving along. How many deals on average do we underwrite a week or month before you find a deal that, it meets, that yeah. meets our investment So criteria. what I like to tell people is our value add to our partners is we look at more deals than anybody in the country. I will probably say that pretty confidently. Right, in Minus terms of- maybe BlackRock or- No, like even, a, I'll like put it up, the BlackRock's are probably, know, probably you know? yeah, I, I question, uh, like, are they, you know, I know they have their markets, I'm sure that they're probably only looking at a very s slice of that market. Where Possibly. We're yeah. ABC, we'll do it all. Yeah, we're right? opportunistic. So, right? um, you know, we, we've built an acquisition machine. We are underwriting 40 deals-ish 
a week right now. That's yeah. significant, right? Yeah. We're probably done 20 best and finals the past 30 days. Yeah. We keep losing, right? You don't want to be a bridesmaid, people. You want to be the bride. We keep yeah, on becoming bridesmaids. Second place is not a fun spot to be in. Second place is... Our heart has been broken many times. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, that's fine. That's the name of the game, right? We are looking at a lot of deals, getting close, and, you know, buying the deal that fits our box, right? Yeah. Yes, we could step up and win any of them if we wanted to, but it's about buying the right deal. We have, you know, good partners, good track record, and that's our value add. It's, hey, we could be patient, buy the right deal, but make sure we look at more deals than anybody else and build the machine to support that. So, Boom. We have it. Right now, with the hot market, yeah, 40 is the number-ish, 30, 40. Yeah, I mean, and that's really been kind of our goal this whole year, right, is to see, because it's really a numbers game, folks. Really, you have to see so many deals in order to find and buy one. Right now, it's probably, I would call it 150 to 200 deals to actually get one under contract that's going to fit your investment criteria. Now, that's depending on how aggressive you are, what market you're in, but the markets that we're in, which are kind of high growth, Texas, Georgia, Florida, you know, even Tennessee and Ohio to a lesser extent, those are high growth markets. There's a lot of competition. So you've got to look at a lot of deals, right? Whereas in I like to pick on Topeka, Kansas. Maybe there's not as well, many. Well, funny, we have a question that came in from not Topeka, oh, but I'll tell you a different, a different okay. market, but it reminded me of the Topeka. All right, all right. So I always pick on Topeka, Kansas. Not that I don't like Topeka, and if you're from there, I apologize, right? But there's just not going to be as much competition, right? So maybe you don't need to look as many deals. Maybe you only need to look at 50 or 100 yeah. in those markets, right? I don't even know if they even have that many there, but sure, they do. you can kind of get my point, right? Yeah. So, all right, moving along. But really quick, if you guys have questions, there's definitely a lot coming through, so p- please ask them. We will answer them live here. I know it's a topic a lot of people are interested in, so definitely put your questions in because we'll go first come, first serve. So, All right, we're going to move fast because I like to do the Q&A part. So how to know when to step up in price or when to back off? Yeah, so Oof. this is a hard one. <laughs> this is our Right, one. we kind of, you know, I think the deal to step up on today is the deal that's in a better location. Yes. Got more, you know, newer deal, better location, right? I'd rather step up and offer a lower return than do the opposite, which is take the deep value add deal and step up on that one to try to get a high, you know a lower return. It's like, well, if I'm gonna, ultimately if I'm gonna land at a lower return, because that's what stepping up does, right? You end yep. up getting less because you paid more. Well, I'd rather do it on a much better deal that's going to be easier safer. as an operator. And yeah. safer, right? You so. know what I mean? It's always safer to buy a newer asset. You have less maintenance issues. Less to things keep, that can go wrong, right? And yes, you can have wrong. a newer deal that becomes risky for various but it's to Ben's point. It's the general statement. It's yes. always safer for me to you know, walk across the street than to walk across the ice. My analogy, I just thought of on the fly. But, you know, but like, yeah, I could walk across the ice and not slip and walk across the street and slip. It could happen. But, you know, try to make your life easier, people. All right, we'll go with that one. We'll go with that one. Analogies but are a little off. I think the point, the and, and something to, to think about is risk-adjusted returns, right? We talked about this in the past. I'm not going to get Rawr. into that. Right? Risk-adjusted returns. I just thought Boom. of that acronym. Right? <laughs> All right. No good, laughing back good, there, good, Shana. Good, good, uh, good. All right, all right. <laughs> She's like, what the heck are you talking about? Yeah, and I had, to, I had to figure out, too. Yeah. <laughs> Risk-adjusted returns. No, a lot of people ignore that, right? People only look at the bottom line, and I, we know the people that do A, B, and C deals, and they're presenting the same exact IRR on every one of them. But naive investor says, okay. But, I mean, really, you have to look at what is the risk that yes. has to happen. If I have a C, about. deep value add, that Ben's got to go get 100 bids and 20 GCs, and all this stuff needs to happen to get it to work, Versus the deal that's kind of humming. I mean, there's mm-hmm. more risk that, you know, a GC steals from you. A GC do- doesn't show up. He's late. Whatever. All this stuff can go wrong, right? And yep. risk-adjusted returns is a huge thing that, unfortunately, I like to say, I think most investors don't truly understand risk-adjusted returns. No, they absolutely don't, right? And that's why I encourage you guys to do some research on that term, right? And we're going to throw that out there because it does make a difference. And I think he, he brought up a good point, right? That deep value add, that 17% IRR, 
or that class A in the best part of town that's 15% IR. Some people are naively gonna go for the 17% IR, but what they're not baking into their decision-making process is that that 2% delta is huge on that because it can com go completely backwards yeah. and that 17% could be seven, right? And really that 15 was pretty safe and pretty consistent and you could have gotten that without a lot of headache. Yep. So take that into consideration, right? So I don't. I want to get to the to the Q and A. And that's so where actually really one quick, more and not, and not to and not sidebar, but that's where the Pref Equity Fund that we launched is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. It's risk adjusted returns. Yeah, you're getting a ten percent, but you're getting it very fixed, sitting yep. in front of a tremendous amount of equity, and so it's really hard to not perform. Yep. And so that's where I like to tell people, like, yes, it's ten percent, but I mean, it's almost like a loan. Yep. Right, and so risk adjusted return, and that's where we talk about it often. That it's a really a different investor yep. that would invest in that, that understands the risk adjusted part, versus the guy that just wants max dollar. Absolutely, so. Rawr. Rawr. All right, all right. What incentives do you offer to sellers to make your offer more attractive? Well, now we're gonna, don't give away our secret sauce now, man. Yeah, right? you know, I mean, we we basically give them each a free dinner with Ben and I to catch up with, <laughs> hang out with. No, it's uh, worth it's worth millions. It's worth millions. You know, worth million. We give them the option if they want hard money or if they want the dinner. Unfortunately, <laughs> people tend to gravitate towards the hard money, and yeah, I don't understand you know, why. I don't know why. But it's crazy. It's a competitive market out there, folks. So right now, what does the deal look like? You hard, I mean, there's any market we're in, there's hard money. Like even- No, and it used to not be like that. Yeah. They used to be like, at least in some, like I remember Atlanta, we didn't have hard money on the first few deals that we bought out yeah, there. I believe you it, know, it's crazy so, to think about. I mean, about. now Atlanta is all about hard money. Whereas right now, the deal, the past three deals we've done have been like million hard. Like, I mean, just kind of, you know, it depends on the deal size, people. You want to be at that one, 2% yeah. hard though is really, I mean, up and down, we're looking at all sorts of market, and they're all some more competitive than others, right? Yep. But it's it's really hard right now to compete if you're not doing hard money, right? And that's where get into a deal that you're comfortable with. So going back to what we said yep. earlier, newer deal, newer look, uh, newer deal, better location typically means that there's less things that can go wrong for your hard money to explode. Yeah. So and, you know, we won't go hard. We won't go super hard. We'll go hard but not extremely hard on like a CD value add. And just for people that are listening in and have, don't know what any of this terminology means, hard is non-refundable yeah. earnest money. So that means that in, unless there's a title problem or there's some kind of an environmental problem, regardless, once you say, hey, it, maybe it's hard the first day of the PSA, that means you're never getting your money back. You either close the transaction. It's a bet and you're that, making to prove that you're going to get it done. You know, so there is a fair amount of risk. So I always tell people, be very, very careful, right? And and feel comfortable that, hey, I can. I have done my due diligence. I've done my underwriting. I feel good. I can close this transaction, right? Obviously, we're transactional. We do a lot of transactions. We know things that are going to get done and stuff that's not and what's risky and what's not, right? And we're going to we're gonna price our, our hard money accordingly, right? You know, I mean, there's certain deals, you know, Class C deals. I'm not going to do a million dollars hard on yeah. a Class C deal. Yeah, we're doing right? like 990. 99,000, so oh, yeah. kind of, you know, really, but yeah, it, to Ben's point, it's all about risk adjusted for us, I guess, the universe, yeah. right? So we will taper down yeah. the hard money for deals that we like, man, there's a lot of skeletons in this deal, and I don't know how many more skeletons we're going to find. We don't know, right? And so you got to be careful, right? And I, and I just say across the board, right, yes, price is king. I would say 90% of the time it's always price driven, right? But they're, they're, we've won deals on terms, too. Yeah. So and the other big one terms. is DD. That's the other big one. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, we, I mean, and again, not everybody can do, we have our own management company. We can do short DDs. Yep. We could do, you know, don't tell the buyers this, but or the sellers this, but we could do a seven-day DD if we really needed to. No, absolutely. Right? And we, we, 
we would on it, maybe yeah. even a class A deal, right? You know, so it's about well, I mean, the you're deal. out there for two days, folks, right? You don't need a lot of a lot of build-in buffer time, and really, people are doing that because they're trying to get their ducks in a row. We've already done that ahead of time, yeah. right? We've already lined up debt. We have an insurance company. We know where our finances is going to be. We know we can raise all the money. So there's a lot less risk for us to do that. Whereas yeah. you have somebody that's kind of that's coming in fresh maybe hasn't done a lot of transactions, they need that 30 days just to try to yeah. get their get their, their ducks in a row, right? And that's not our ca- not uh, us in our case, And right? then the last thing I'll add, too, in terms of terms, because we lost the deal. I'm still a little heartbroken about this, you know, recently. But really, time to close, right? It's a group, it was, you know, we, we probably would have won the deal, but they yep. were a lot more aggressive in the time to close. And for us, we it's nervous to trust a lender, because, you know, we, we, we can't buy the deals cash. Some people, some groups can, right? Yeah. Lenders, it's hard to you know for them to move very, very, very fast. And so we can only go as fast as the lender. So that was a bet that we would not take from a risk adjusted perspective, and you know, cost us a deal. But hey, yeah. the other group won because of that. So something to think about. It is what it is. You know, I mean, theirs was we probably couldn't have performed yeah. with, with the with the timeline that they had. So I mean, the, the, I tell I Ben to go to Uncle Suttles and tell him to <laughs> bankroll us, but <laughs> Uncle Suttles won't show up. So. Yeah, that mythical guy. Yeah. Why didn't did he bankroll us more? But uh, anyway, I want to get to the open Q and A. Yeah. Sounds like we got a couple, a couple coming. So let's see. So um, it's weird. You don't have your laptop, man. I know a laptop battery was dead, so I was not on my A game. It's been a busy day. We have kind of a couple of new hires and kind of continue to grow the company, but spending time with them. So let's see. So Amanda says, um, I think she got her audio resolved. We have Roscoe says, I'm RC from Thonotosasa. Thonotosasa, which reminded me of Topeka, um, Florida. Ready to okay. learn and put in the work uh, to own my first duplex, triplex in Houston. All right, Welcome, man. you're in Do a good it. spot. And if Do you're, it. sounds like you're based in Florida, but next time you're in Houston, come on by. Try to time it. We have a meetup that we do first Thursday of every month. Yep. Definitely yep. probably a great time to come out here. So and you we'll can talk check your duplex, triplex and come, you know, meet us and whatnot. So um, let's see, lay reply. Next question, Bargov asks, what do you think of the Tampa market? Love the Tampa market. We love Florida. Love it. We've, we was out there End of January, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before any great market, we really like it. Yeah. We try to buy. It's just hot. It's definitely it's competitive. So hot. And you know, we're def. We the goal is to get a Tampa deal by the end of the year. So yeah. you know, we're doing a Florida deal, but we need to get now Tampa and Orlando. So you we hear that, David Hudgens? Yeah, we so, got you, buddy. We got you. So we're gonna we're gonna get a Tampa deal going here, and you know, and again, we're looking up and down ABC. So if yeah. anyone has a good Tampa deal, please let us know. Yeah. But as a market as a whole, we like what's going on there, right? We invest in markets with job growth, population growth, and you know, landlord friendly. And Tampa checks those boxes. So. And we will we will co GP on the right deal. Yeah, yeah. Right? People you have know, deals and, and anywhere. Have a reach fund. out to us. So yeah, and we do have a pref equity fund too. So we need more equity. emails. Please email Ben, and oof, he'll kind of get them going. Oof, so. Any more? I think that's it. So people have more comments, questions to ask them. Otherwise, I can keep going. All right. We're going to give it one more second. All right. Because they sometimes trickle in. But I'm going to talk about a mission that I'm on, right? To serve those who served us, right? So the Veterans Community Project aims to provide housing and walk-in support services to homeless veterans, right? So help me raise $30,000. So looking to raise 15, I'm going to match it dollar for dollar up to 15K. You know, and I want you to check this website out because this is a great cause, right? You know, again, folks, this is a pandemic that really, I know we throw that, that word around loosely the last two years, but there is a lot of homeless veteran folks and it's, it's really something that we need to highlight and really try to take care of these folks. And so this organization is building tiny homes 
for these veterans, right? Yeah. And I think that's an incredible cause, and I'm looking to... And one of our friends, Eric, runs that. Eric Upchurch, you know, and he's And just buddy. so Eric knows, you know, Ben's schedule freed up around that time, so maybe you can get, drag him back to that hike. <laughs> no, but there's about there's about 12 other folks that are going to be doing a hike, 170 miles around Lake Tahoe, so do, do check out Eric Upchurch's, you know, uh, Facebook page. You know, he's got a lot of posts about it, you know, but I'm here to raise the money and help them with that cause, so check it out at bit.ly slash donate to homes for the brave check right? out the you know? uh, the slide on the screen so. yep yep so it's check in that the caption too. In the it's in the caption love this love this organization and hopefully you can uh, you can contribute even if it's five or ten bucks we'd love to have whatever you can take right so moving along what are we doing oh my gosh this is doing the meetup that multi-family investor horror stories so oh my God, topic ben and i could talk about for for weeks upon end and hopefully not anymore all, all old stories hopefully we don't have any more new stories man martin's right. gonna be out there yeah, martin's gonna have so, all kinds of war stories no, so wow we, so uh, basically, we're putting on a panel, right? For those that know, we have this meetup we do in Houston. We've been doing it for several years. First Thursday of every month, mm -hmm. right? Great time to come to Houston if you're from out of state. And we decided to put on a panel of some of our friends, right? To talk about multifamily horror stories, right? Yeah. What's gone wrong in deals and how did they resolve it? And ultimately, what's the outcome? So we have a panel of four people. We have our friend Martin Bronstein, Cody Lawlin, Michael Lee, and Kyle Jones are all yeah. going to be out there. So if you're in Houston, definitely a good time to go check it out. Yep. Go learn just kind of what goes on behind the scenes, right? Everybody really fixates on what's happening in the front, but everybody doesn't really notice all the sausage making behind the scenes. It's and always fun I, to eat the sausage, not make the sausage. It can be so. devastating too, right? So, I mean, I think this is this is a great kind of, yes, there's a lot of sunshine and roses and, oh, unit counts and money raised and deals closed, right? But, again, where the rubber meets the road is the operational piece. Yeah. And I'm sure this is what these guys are going to talk about. But they could be talking about the closing process yeah. too, mm -hmm. which we've talked about. We've had lender horror stories and everything else in between. So check that out at www.disruptequity.com slash meetup. Please register there. That's going to be April 7th at 7 p.m. Next Pitch Thursday. 25 Next Thursday. Beer Park. So good food, good booze. So, well, it wouldn't be a Money Monday without us talking about no, MFIN Conference, dude. A big conference is coming Oof. on up. So we had a big one about a month ago, actually 45 days ago. Man, it was already yeah. 45 days 45 ago? 45 days ago. Jeez. And, you know, 600 people, 200 people wait list, and we're excited to do the next one. So, if, you know, if you're interested in checking it out, we're going to nail down the date here Oop. very, very soon. It's coming up. It's going to be probably mid-July, uh, and it's going to be probably in a city that rhymes with Beattle. Um, and so, you know, check out mfinvestornetwork.com if you're interested. We'd love to see you guys there. It'll be a fun time to come I, hang I out. I heard that was a good time of the year to be in Beattle. It's a, it's know, a great I mean, time of year to be in so, Beattle. Yeah, I mean, you and know, so definitely, you know, that. I mean, yeah, and it's actually Ben's point. That's the reason we want to do it there, right? Yeah. We try to do awesome places that, that time of the year to be in. Houston's a lot better in February than it is in July. Oh, so yeah, figured yeah, yeah. we'd hop over there and please go out there and spend some time in the city. Get to enjoy it. Don't. You know, have the conference bring you there. It's a business write-off, but stay and enjoy the city. So. Absolutely. So check it out, mfinvestornetwork.com. Put in early bird as your coupon code. Yeah. Get 150 bucks off all the way until April 7th. We don't make any money at this price. I don't know. Wow. Shana just continues to give these tickets away. But we're going to be really, really excited to see you out there. We're going to have some great panels, some yeah, great we speakers. Would, so. Really, really excited to be out in Beattle. So, perfect. Boom. What are we talking about next week? Oh my gosh. We're talking about a real estate investing journey from 0 to 3,000 units. Oh my gosh, and it was a rocky journey at some points, yeah, man. You know, it's, it's up and down ups and, and up downs, and down, you know, these, you know the, but we're excited to talk about boat that. sails down the ocean in waves, not in flat glass. Man, he's just big on these analogies today. All right, so check it out Let's next that week. One up too. <laughs> Money Mondays every Monday at 3:30ish. Check it out. Look forward to seeing you then. Well, thank you guys. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode on Disrupt Equities Apartment Investing Podcast. We have some really great episodes coming up, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast. For those interested in passively investing in cash-flowing multifamily properties, visit disruptequity.com invest. Fill out your information there, and you will get notified when we release our next multifamily passive investment offering.